As cities come back to life with the influx of people returning from their COVID getaways, the rise of rent prices are hurting everyone. Intense demand and diminishing supply have sent home prices soaring, and there's collateral damage from the housing shortage, record rent increases. No more so than here in the state of Florida, Miami, seeing a 58% increase on rent on average in just the last two years. That is pricing Floridians out of their homes and into this extremely competitive rental market. Some cities are even seeing 60% rent increases year over year. How is that legal? If you live in an apartment that is not rent stabilized or controlled, there is still no limit on how much your landlord can increase your rent. So just when we thought inflation was going to come under control with the Fed raising rates, we might have been a bit too optimistic. Rent or housing, on average, is the largest expense an American has on a monthly basis. We've talked about inflation quite a bit lately and how it is at a 40-year high. What many people may not realize is that rising rents are a part of that calculation. So even an incremental increase in housing expenses has huge effects on the budgets of people around the country. We are going to have a massive increase in homelessness. On Things Have Changed, we're covering an entire series based on housing, one of the largest financial burdens for the average person. On today's episode, we're going to talk especially how rent could displace millions of Americans. With experts forecasting rising prices through this year, keeping home where the heart is could cost you. If you'd known how important the technology economy was 20 years ago, would you have done things differently? The internet, cell phones, the cloud, and data. Things have changed. We're here to talk about it. Hi, I'm Jed. Hi, I'm Shikhar. Welcome to Things Have Changed, your new economics and technology podcast. So, okay, uh, the past three days have been pretty relaxing for me, um, partly because my girlfriend was not in town. So, you know, just chilling, just me. It's a good thing she doesn't listen to your it's podcast. It's a good thing that she doesn't <laughs> listen to this. Uh, but she's sitting on the other side of this wall away or so. Let's see what happens to me after this call. But <laughs> uh, so she went to New York City, right, to to finish her um, graduation. Uh, you know, the ceremony stuff, which they didn't yeah. have during COVID. And she goes and stays at a friend's place. And in New York City, and they were like super excited. They were like, "You wouldn't believe the deal I got on my on my apartment. You wouldn't believe." Okay? okay, and she's like, "Okay, what what is it? Tell me this deal. Tell me this deal." Um, and they're like, "Oh, we're paying. We got COVID prices. We pay. We're paying six k for a three bedroom apartment, right?" Wow. And she was like, what? Okay. Okay. So what's the deal here? And the guy says, the going rate is nine. Nine K, bro. Wow. What the hell is that? For a three bedroom apartment? Okay. Granted, this is near Hudson Yards and stuff. So it's like, you know, up there in the fancier locations in New York City. Yeah, every so I I watch news only on YouTube now, and I just keep it going with like all of the channels that I subscribe to. The last couple of days, even if 
I didn't search for it, like through this conversation that we're about to have. I still got. Dude, don't talk about your search history on this. I know your search history. Dude, relax, <laughs> relax. This guy steals my YouTube account. Fucking uses my premium. Okay, no, no ads, no ads, buddy. <laughs> the search history. Trust me, I gave back the premium privileges because I didn't want to <laughs> expose myself to that search history. It's called littering your searches. Okay, it's so that everybody can use my YouTube premium as a public resource. <laughs> Every uh, news article I've seen in the past couple of weeks, you know, has been about people not being able to survive the rent increases and moving. It's like a similar trend, you know, people are experiencing this crazy shift and they're all like shocked as fuck. And they're always like, well, my landlord raised my rent 20, 30, 40% and I can't pay it anymore. So it's not something that's completely invisible to me either. I just moved out of an apartment that I was renting out. So from 3,900, it's going to be 4,900. Okay. You may think, okay, that's, you know, that's not as crazy as what I've been seeing on the news. That's 25 to 28% of a rent increase. And regardless, that's a thousand extra dollars. Think about that. You know, like, where are you going to pull out a thousand extra dollars? And what happens to the actual apartment? Did it get nicer? Did they put new AC unit? Did they put new toilets or some shit? Did they make it smell like roses and daisies? Fuck no. It's the same apartment, right? It's the same apartment that they're charging $1,000 more. Hey, you be so, you be happy you have a roof above your head. Okay, that's all. <laughs> exactly. We don't give you anything exactly. else. But there's a lot of people who $200, $300 more of rent, they cannot afford. Right, I know a lot of people who live in major cities who choose to pay the premium so they can be in like a very active area. You know what I mean? Pay to live in New York, but really 90% of their income is going to rent, right? So it's kind of a crazy situation in which across the country, dude, it's getting crazy. People will say, okay, this is uh, the, your sample size over here is New York City. That's not really reflective. Well, I mean, I used to live in Phoenix, Arizona, until four weeks ago, right? For the last three years, for a two bed, two bath in a pretty good area, we were paying seventeen, eighteen hundred. That same rent apartment is twenty eight hundred to resign this August. So, I mean, we are talking about these thousand dollar increases across the country, largely in these. You know, they, there is a term for these cities, Sun Belt cities where all these these cities with good amount of sunshine, so Miami, Orlando, Tampa, so many Florida cities, firstly, you have San Diego, you have Vegas, you have Phoenix, you have Austin, you have Dallas, all these, these cities are seeing such huge increases and there's non-existent supply of apartments. So it's such a tough time to be on rent, you know, uh, and COVID has not helped things, right? Affordability, really, this, this, whole, this whole conversation about price increases, we've covered it. Over the last two years, we've talked about how tacos went from three bucks to like eight bucks. Who's paying eight bucks for a taco? Affordability has become such an, a big issue during the pandemic. Yeah, I mean, add to, to add to what we've been talking about entirety of 2021, which is inflation, right? 
But you've seen everything else rise. As you were just mentioning, tacos, I mean, shit. It could be rice, it could be milk, it could be bread. You know, that's that's raising prices. And it's not only the food that you're eating, but it's also now going to be the largest expense that you have on a monthly basis. If we think about the substitution problem, right? So I'll give you a classic example. If coffee gets so expensive, you use coffee to, um, you know, get your caffeine dosage on a daily basis. You, you, switch caffeine, you, you switch coffee with tea, right? Because coffee is getting more expensive. Maybe tea is not getting more expensive. Tea is a, a little bit cheaper. So you go with tea. Mm. That's a substitution methodology you're thinking about. Rent, on the other hand, there's not a lot of substitutes for rent right? There's, I mean, you got pretty much two real options, right? One is to live with somebody, you know, if you have that luxury. And again, if you have that luxury, the other option is to buy, right? To control your actual mortgage prices on a monthly basis. So there's not a lot of real substitutes for rent at the moment, right? It's, it's tough. Or you become freaking homeless, which is also a growing problem in America, right? So you have these combination of things getting more expensive, forcing you to change budgets, to have to optimize on how you live your life, right? To, to change abruptly because of these rising of prices, what you've been doing on a monthly basis. So this really is a large disruptor, you know, that rents are rising. So we're talking now about the reason of why rents are rising. And Shikhar, you just mentioned the, the mismatch of, of supply and demand. And that's pretty much been the same story since post-financial uh, crisis, right? Ever since 2008, it's been very difficult for landlords to create new properties. They just stopped building. They did. They did. And the fact that we now have a supply mismatch, uh, supply and demand mismatch of the raw materials needed to create these homes, whether it be an apartment or a house, right? Even home building supplies are, are out of touch and really in disarray. Even if we wanted to now, it would be very difficult to feed that supply and demand, right? So right now, I think what we probably need is more government assistance, right? To be doing the things that, that um, can actually match up supply and demand, meaning build more supply because there is no supply, right? When you talk to your landlord, for example, today, your rent increases and you want to find out, oh, what happened? Why is, why is my rent increasing? You go and talk to your landlord and your landlord will be like, look, there's a lot of demand for this place right now. I'm going to charge higher rents because we have to pay more for our financing because we finance this place. I'm going to charge more rent because we did this massive um, renovation of the apartments and, and now it, it, it demands a premium, you know. But more than likely, you're going to hear that demand is up. People are wanting to live there again, especially in those large metropolitan cities. Now we're all allowed to work from home. These people out here near New York are starting to go back to, to Miami to go live in the beach, to go live in a very cheap housing area. And now that, that supply is running out, not everybody who used to live there can now afford those rents because now a bunch of New York money is out there in those other cities you know, demanding for those prices again. Similar to what's happening to the big metropolitan cities. People are coming back from the the suburbs that they've they've bought their houses in, from the places that that they've moved to post-pandemic. They're coming back to the big cities. And that's why demand is going crazy again. You know it's a crazy stat, dude. Our generation is living on average much longer in these metropolitan cities than our 
uh, boomer counterparts, right? They stayed in the city yeah, a couple fuck years. Those no, <laughs> delete that shit. They'll, Scratch they'll that. The, Scratch they'll that. stay in the city about like five to ten years, let's say max, right, of their young life, and then after that. They'll go buy a house in the suburbs and live there, start a family and do all that stuff. It's so different for our generation. We see millennials living in places for over 10 years, dude, in the city, metropolitan city, living 10 years. So the landscape has changed a lot. And the fact that rents are rising now will really affect like a shit ton of people. This supply problem can't be solved by the market itself at the moment. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Doesn't look like it's happening. There's a shortage of more than 1.5 million homes in the country. The U.S. is not having huge inflows of um, new people. That has been stated. So this demand is just normal. It's just the supply is just dried out to nothing. Like if we need more buildings. And uh, what's what's interesting too is you know there's this this whole narrative of investors like investors getting into real estate right um, not not f- whole, not families right it's investors um, just for holding as an asset um, interestingly enough you know that narrative you know it might not be a huge number but I was reading something about how more money is being invested in apartment buildings now than in commercial real estate, which is crazy, right, to think about. I mean, commercial real estate, you know, you have your businesses there and shops, whatever, out there. But the focus has been from these capital allocators have have shifted to apartment buildings. And why not? I mean, they've had a great um, increase in their asset as well as what they're getting, the cash flow coming from these these tenants, right? Uh, yeah, so there's there's a lot to figure out over here. So we know the whys now. I mean, supply, investors, um, demand moving back. Like, what can be done? I mean, it is getting unsustainable on many levels where, you know, uh, this is rent. Uh, you can't, like, spend 60 to 70% of your monthly income on rent, right? So what can be done? Yeah, it's, it's a tough problem, man, because as we think about it, right, what the next question or the next most plausible answer to this question is, why don't you just make more housing, you know, make more multifamily buildings, make more. But similar to semiconductors, right, when we had that shortage, we were like, okay, just make more semiconductors. What the hell is the problem? Well, it takes, it costs $10 billion to build a fab. Right. So that's a lot of money. Capital number one. Number two is time. It takes over five years to build a fab. So there's all these constraints. And you can imagine that's exactly the same thing for apartments. I mean, how how long does it take to build an apartment complex? I don't know. But it's probably not easy. It's probably not easy just to build something out of out of thin air and just fill it up yeah. with apartments. Plus, plus, there's also a bunch of policy related hurdles that prevent builders from actually building more apartment complexes, right? In certain communities, a lot of suburbanization has been happening, which means that a lot of these communities that are residential, they don't want apartment buildings out here because actually apartment buildings invite lower income people. And, you know, through a lot of this suburbanization, they want a specific 
type of person living in their own neighborhoods. This is not very far from the redlining we've experienced in the last 200 years, right? There's a massive gap in the affordable housing sector of commercial real estate, right? It's not necessarily those high luxury condos. It's really the affordable housing piece that that needs help, you know? So when you talk about like, well, what what can we do, right? What can we do to help people out? Well, one of the things that I don't know if you've lived in a city um, that experiences their shicker, but I used to live in Berkeley um, and in the Bay Area, rent control is actually a huge thing, right? It is a huge helper. So a lot of the students that I knew that couldn't afford to live in Bay Area prices who were going to Berkeley, they were living in rent controlled buildings, okay? So these rent controlled buildings, you know, what do they really do? Well, it prevents rents from rising at a certain rate. Right. These are typically older buildings anyway, very old buildings that have been around for a long time. Likely the debt that they've had on this building has already been paid off. It's um, something that's government sponsored. You know, there's a lot of different things that can help out with these um, rent control programs that really incentivizes um, landlords to just give a consistent rental amount. Yo, like it's not that hard. (laughs) But obviously, there's many different use cases that we're not familiar with because we're not landlords ourselves, right? But what's important to keep in mind is that rent control actually helps this population of people that can't afford rising rents, right? This is the whole topic of gentrification. Um, And I'm sure you've heard about that quite a lot if you lived in a major metropolitan area. A lot of locals don't welcome the influx of high earners because the rents get higher um, inherently. So one of the things that we can do is maybe propose more rent control. You know, that's that's one of the ways I believe that can really help out to feed the demand at least of people and at least not displace millions of Americans out of cities. Because even in these major metropolitan cities, we have people who are working in the restaurants, people who are working as essential workers to the economy, yet cannot afford to live in the same place. It seems like we we've gotten to like a tipping point where now Okay, policymakers are like, okay, we have to figure this out. Um, so, I mean, it took them a while, but now we are here. So maybe there's more relief on the way. Um, what What was interesting is last week, actually, uh, Jared and I were um, going back and forth on this, um, on a new plan that the White House put out. Um, it's called the Housing Supply Action Plan. And that's what you want to see. What is the problem here? Well, the problem here is supply. So let's get the supply to match what needs to be the demand out there, right? So that was at least encouraging because, um, you know, these new actions help everyone out, help, um, you know, the low-income, middle-income. I mean, what is low-income, middle-income right now? Because rents are crazy. Thousand, dude, $1,000 is still a lot for rent, right? I mean, five years back, uh, I knew friends in Chicago living for 500 bucks rent a month. So just the the level of of increase over here is just staggering so i mean a solution here is okay you know i do understand the point of okay we don't want government intervention on everything because i i do get that sentiment um private um privatization of certain industries help but something like this you definitely need to step in uh and it's good because i mean this plan they are they are laying out okay how what are the goals now I mean, this, you can have many as many plans as you want, but you need to have goals set 
for these plans, right? So some of the goals are interesting where uh, we skim through the the whole plan um, and we'll have the link down in um, our bio. Some of the goals are finish construction in 2022 on the most new homes in any year since 2006. That itself is a big jump. Okay, we have to finish construction on on these homes. Many apartment complexes, I don't know if you, if you have seen this, Jared, but when I was in Phoenix, the number of apartment complexes which are just have been like that like no one's no one's it's not being finished because of the lack of supply of you know the raw materials and stuff like like what you mentioned so that's probably a good one okay let's target completions right um another goal was okay 100,000 homes over the next 3 years let's hit the target right and the another big one was you know this whole conversation about investors getting into buying properties uh, and ramping up uh, prices. Well, okay, how do we reduce this ownership um, of people who have five to 10 homes? I mean, it's we can't stop them, but we help direct supply to more owner occupants instead of large investors. So that's an interesting thing that we might have to kind of yeah. see how they, they, I wouldn't say enforce it, but probably par the HOAs, because that's also one thing, right? Homeowner associations. These homeowners are also facing the brunt of seeing investors just come and just take out three, four units in their neighborhood Dude. and, you know, just bump up the price. All cash offers, it's right? It's ridiculous. At some point, it's, it's, it's all cascading. Yeah, exactly. I think... BlackRock should not be owning any single-family homes. It's doesn't even make sense for companies to buy up single-family homes. Yeah. Yet it is a safe haven as an asset, right? It's a great hedge. <laughs> Land and, and property is actually, it's a great hedge. So this problem that we're experiencing right now that even policy is now targeting is very, very real. Like private companies owning single family, even multifamily um, homes that are owned by associations or are owned by these private companies who have been for profit, who have been really fucking squeezing out the money that they can make out of these investments is not very ideal for the typical American home. If you think about it, as important as our everyday things, you know, rent is not something you can just surpass. It's something that you need to have. You, you need to live somewhere, right? Otherwise, you are homeless. So it, it's, it, it comes a time where we need to, you know, hit the brakes and say, hey, yo, stop buying fucking private single family homes, all right? Like we need, we need this for our, our first time home buyers. We need to give incentives for them to be able to, anyway, I won't go into it because we'll have an entire episode on housing itself. But generally, this step is a move in the right direction. As somebody who's affected, you know, by this rise in rents, there's, there's a couple of things really that you can do to to protect yourself when rent increase comes your way, right? And landlords, although not all of them predatory, there are a lot of issues with the relationship between landlords and renters, right? So a couple of things you can do to just verify for yourself um, when when your landlord presents you with this crazy amount of rent increase, right? One is that if you're in a lease right now, 
right? If you're in a one year, two year, whatever, 13 month lease that you have at the moment and your landlord comes six months after and goes like, yo, I'm about to raise rents. You know, you got to pay this rent starting next month. First of all, that's bullshit. You have to honor the lease that you have signed with your landlord. So that's one thing. If it's for one year, one year, you're expected to pay this amount. If somebody tries to raise the rents on you, bring that up, talk to a lawyer. Um, another thing is in some states, depending on what local policy or what um, local government you have, right? There's a requirement of notice to give you before rising rents. Even if you're a monthly guy, you're a weekly guy. You know, in California, if you're paying weekly, if you're only on a weekly basis and you don't have a year-long lease, they're still required to give you a 30-day notice if the rent increase is above 5%. So there are there are protections for you out there. You just have to know about them, right? If they informed you a little too late, well, you can still pay your rent for the next 30 days, the same as what you talked about the very first time because they have to give you that notice um, for the amount of time. So check your local laws to see how you can protect yourself against these kind of uh, predatory landlord uh, practices, right? So, you know, to protect yourself, just keep those things in mind. Um, In our next episodes, we'll be talking about a couple of different options that you might have to navigate, you know, this crazy world of, of housing at the moment. And, uh, you know, we'll talk about the different options about buying a home, about leasing a a land and and, um, buying a mobile home and all these other options that you may have to substitute your ridiculous rent prices, which I can share my personal story of, of going into that in our next episode. Yeah, and we'd like to hear from you. I mean, how are you impacted by this whole increase in, in housing? Uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts. We've been getting a lot of fan mail, uh, Jed. You've been getting a lot of uh, fan mail. I've It's all a lot of good stuff in there. Uh, they're complimenting your voice. Uh, they think you're really handsome. Uh, so that's good. But yeah, right. I made sure you don't want to hear the hate mail that they sent you. So I've kept it aside. Some of the things that they said, Jesus. Nice. Uh, so, wow. But no, thanks. <laughs> Thank, thanks for all the stuff that you guys have been sending us. Uh, and please let us know what you're seeing in your day-to-day interaction experience within the digital economy. So until then, until our next episode on housing, stay curious.